Welcome to the Panic Attack Recovery Podcast, an ongoing source of practical strategies and tips for anxiety and ADHD. We're a collaboration of former sufferers helping those currently struggling with anxiety, panic attacks, and ADHD so they can express their true competencies in life. Now, here is Matthew, your host. Thank you for joining me for another podcast episode. One of the things that I've always noticed with um, solutions for anxiety and panic attacks and often ADHD is that they often revolve around this concept of similarities between people rather than looking at individual differences that much. Anyone that you ask about ADHD or anxiety or panic attacks, if there's someone who suffers from these things, they would tell you that there are individual differences when they're talking with perhaps friends they know or other people they know who have ADHD or anxiety or panic attacks. So I think it's really critical for everyone to realize that there are individual differences that exist. And the reason it's important to look at that is because it will affect how you approach solutions to anxiety, panic attacks, or ADHD. What do I mean? Let's say you're someone who has ADHD. You go to your workplace and you ask for accommodations from the workplace to accommodate your ADHD. Well, sometimes you'll see a sort of laundry list uh, that some organizations have, and, and some may not have any, of essentially, you know, here are some recommendations we can provide for ADHD. We can allow them more time to complete projects. We can allow them, you know, this and that, etc. You fill in the blank. The point isn't so much about what those accommodations are necessarily, it's whether they fit with your individual differences. So for you, it might be simple organizational tools or organizational coaching that might be very helpful for you. You may be able to generate many ideas in the run of a day, but you need help keep you focused. It may be very simple solutions, uh, for instance, having organizational binders or ways of organizing your desk, certain file folders that really work for you. It doesn't often have to be very fancy in order to be effective, but it does need to be tailored to the individual. So, for example, one ADHD sufferer might find it very helpful to have color-coded binders to organize their materials throughout the day, and that makes them more efficient. Someone else may not benefit from that, but they may benefit from having someone who coaches them with organization each day. So maybe someone that checks in with them on certain key tasks that they set out to do each day. I'm not suggesting they need someone to hold their hand all day. I'm just saying they might have somebody that checks in with them. The point that I'm trying to make here is those are all individual differences among ADHD sufferers. Now let's look at anxiety sufferers. If you suffer from anxiety and you start looking at the typical patterns that you exhibit in your behavior and you talk with other anxiety sufferers, you might find, for example, that when your friend gets anxious, let's pretend that your friend has anxiety as well. If your friend gets anxious, she starts to cry, perhaps. Or perhaps when, when you get anxious, you do. The point is someone else who has anxiety might simply start to panic. They might simply start to speak very quickly, or they might become very loud, or they might start pacing back and forth. Um, there are a variety of patterns that one can exhibit when they're anxious, and it doesn't really help to necessarily learn about what others are experiencing if you're not looking at what are your actual behaviors when you have anxiety. So by figuring out what your patterns are, you can come up with a solution that helps you to generate strategies to deal with those particular behaviors when they come up. Doing so will help you in situations again when those things happen. When you become anxious in certain situations, for example, often a lot of people will compare themselves to others that may not even have anxiety. 
So we're already talking about individual differences among sufferers of the same disorders, whether it's ADHD, anxiety, or panic disorder. But then we talk about people who don't have panic disorder, ADHD, or anxiety. There are going to be differences as well. One of the traps that occurs is often people will compare themselves to those folks and say, well, I just need to get over this. I just, I don't need any adaptions. I don't need any accommodations in my workplace. Or it could be in school. Perhaps you need certain accommodations in school to help you. It's nothing to be ashamed of to have accommodations at all. And in fact, it can be very empowering for you. Much of the anxiety help out there as well is sort of geared towards treating everyone the same. So for instance, saying, you know, you need to get over your anxiety, face your fears, and then you can enjoy life. And that's very often the case with many issues related to anxiety. However, there may be just certain personality characteristics. And this is really where individual differences come from. Personality differences among people who have anxiety, who, for instance, don't like certain situations. It's not that they're anxious. It's that they simply do not like those situations. I'll give you an example. Let's say that you're someone who likes to travel. So you're someone who likes to travel, but you have a fear of flying. Well, obviously, in order to travel, you'll need to be able to deal with that fear of flying so that you can get to your destination. Now, that's something where you'd want to help someone with their anxiety to get over that so that they feel better and they can go the distance. On the contrary, let's say that you're someone who doesn't like traveling. It's not that you're scared to travel. It's not that you're anxious to travel. It's that you simply don't like traveling. You're more of a homebody. However, you have many passions in life, things that you enjoy doing. Well, trying to get you out more to travel might not be the solution in your case if you simply don't like traveling. Now, if you're avoiding travel or you're telling yourself that you don't like traveling because of fear, then that's something else you'd want to work on from an anxiety perspective. But the individual difference that you are someone who simply likes to stay at home and do things at home, perhaps you enjoy doing a lot of artwork or spending time with friends here, you engage in sporting activities, whatever you do here, you may be very passionate about those things. So to try to force you to travel more when you don't like traveling and seeing that as an intervention for anxiety is not necessarily going to be helpful for you, for your personality, what you don't like. And it's the same way for introverts and extroverts which we have spoken about in the past. There are people by nature who just are more introverted. Now again, if you're introverted because you have social phobias or you're scared of being around others, then that's again something you want to work on. But if you're someone that likes smaller groups and may just like being in smaller crowds and you get along with people well, there's nothing wrong with that either. So being able to recognize individual differences from issues that are related to anxiety is very important. And it's important not to confuse issues that have nothing to do with anxiety as caused by anxiety. And then trying to intervene in that manner will not help you because it's a personality trait or characteristic. Let's look at, back at the example of ADHD. There are also personality differences, as we said, with ADHD, but there can also be differences in the way that ADHD expresses itself in individuals. There can be differences in the way that anxiety manifests itself as well. For some people, anxiety can manifest as physical symptoms even in something known as conversion disorder. So it's really important for those people, of course, to have those physical symptoms checked out. But often people may have physical symptoms checked out and find out that they have no physical origin that can be found. But working on strategies for anxiety can be very helpful. 
But anxiety in this sense is also stress. So things that maybe cause you stress in your life, whether it's in your home life, whether it's at work, those things can have an impact on your mental health and affect even your physical health in terms of symptoms. We have discussed before various physical symptoms of anxiety, and we in fact have a detailed video on the physical symptoms of anxiety. I would encourage people to check out. You can get that from my website at panicattackrecovery.com. So feel free to check that out at any point. Back to the discussion here, though. Physical symptoms can be a manifestation of anxiety. Of course, I'm not saying they always are, and of course, you should have them checked out. But what I'm saying is not everyone who has anxiety will have a physical manifestation of anxiety in one way or another. It could simply be worry. It could be panic. Of course, there are physiological reactions that happen in the body in the fight or flight mode, which we've discussed before in previous videos and episodes. But the actual physical things I'm talking about in conversion disorder is not something that someone always experiences from stress or anxiety. So that's more of a difference of how the disorder expresses itself in anxiety. Another difference for folks is the analogies that are often used to help them. Sometimes they just have a hard time relating to the example used, or certain techniques really don't have an effect. So by having a one-size sort of cookie-cutter approach to say, here's the approach we're going to use every time, we're not going to do anything else, that isn't particularly helpful for someone with anxiety. In fact, that can be very frustrating. People are smart with anxiety, and they realize that people who are giving them a cookie-cutter solution may not have ever suffered from anxiety or panic disorder, but yet they have the knowledge professionally that this works in so much of the population. But what we have to remember um, as consumers of healthcare interventions is that interventions of any kind don't generally have a 100% success rate. So that means that solutions that are presented will have individual differences in the populations, and they may not be effective for everyone. So that's why it's important to have a toolbox of techniques to deal with anxiety and ADHD. It's really important to recognize that there will be individual differences in how effective certain interventions and strategies are going to be. So, you know, using a common sense approach here, we can say it makes sense that it's better to have more tools at my disposal that I can try than to have one thing. But also common sense would tell you it makes sense to give something a good try before you dismiss it. Because one of the individual differences amongst people is that, you know, some people are much more willing to tolerate ambiguity. What do I mean by that? When someone is being given suggestions for anxiety or for ADHD, they may have initial resistance to it saying this isn't going to work or it could be more subtle like this may not work or this doesn't sound like it would work or it could be, you know, this is a crazy idea. But some people will be more patient and they'll say, you know, I, I don't really see how this is going to help me, but I'm going to give it a chance. So those are some individual differences in how much of a chance someone gives an intervention. So if you don't give something a chance before you dismiss it, you're unlikely to find anything that's going to be effective until you give it an appropriate chance. So rather than just shopping for different strategies, really give strategies a good try before you give up. Some of the key takeaways from this podcast are the following. Individual differences exist between sufferers of anxiety, panic attacks, ADHD, and really across individuals in the following ways. There are personality differences that are not rooted in anxiety or ADHD. In other words, they're not caused from these conditions. There are differences how the disorder expresses itself. What types of accommodations or strategies are going to be useful? 
how much of a chance someone is willing to give a particular intervention or strategy. How likely an individual is willing to try another intervention if one strategy or technique previously tried was unsuccessful. And individual differences occur in how effective particular interventions are. However, there are a variety of interventions that one can try, so one should not be discouraged. My final points here are that people are very unique, and they have very individual feelings and perspectives. This is a good thing. Being aware of this information can empower all of us in how we approach a variety of strategies that can help our daily lives in a meaningful way. This realization can also encourage you to not be afraid of expressing yourself in richer ways. Thank you for listening to the Panic Attack Recovery Podcast. Make sure that you have subscribed to our podcast and please comment and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All show notes and links are accessible from our website. Please visit our site and subscribe to our free newsletter at panicattackrecovery.com. All information has been provided for educational purposes. Please consult a healthcare professional about any disorder or condition and the applicability of any information provided in this podcast.